0: All right, let me get the little agenda agendas up here. Get the little agendas, agendas.
1: Okay. There's only two agendas. As <laughs> a gender joke. <laughs>
0: Listeners, welcome to a uh, special episode of a free podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob, and joined, as always, by my, uh, my multi-wheeled friends, Joe and Duff. <laughs> Eight wheels.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm daring to be stupid, like Weird Al. Uh,
0: so, we have a special bonus episode here. Uh, you know, we, we finished our, our, our Bond season, and uh, our listener uh, patron, uh, Dan, uh, came through and, uh we are gonna talk about the stupids the 1996 Tom Arnold vehicle um I will say uh guys fold... I just want
1: to break it down we each got paid about sixteen dollars to yes. watch, to watch a Tom Arnold movie and I mean I think this is the peak <laughs> just does
0: it get better in this that's a good no point. it' uh <laughs> Um, I think we grossed more than this movie did by talking yeah. about it. Uh- <laughs> well, I'm going to fix that later. <laughs> um, so so what I want to quickly say, just like full disclosure, uh, Dan, who paid for us to talk about this, or our patron, um, Patreon, uh, he, I've known, I was thinking, guys, I've known him for it's it, a long it's time. 15 years. Almost 15 years. Yeah. And one fun fact of his I've always known is this guy, has for years talked about how much he loves, and he said his favorite movie is The Stupids.
2: Favorite movie, huh? He I, I, I loves The Stupids. I, I witnessed this. Conf- well, I shouldn't call it
0: a confession, just this... A fact. Revelation. Yeah, loves The Stupids. So um, here we are. We watched it. We're going to talk about it, and uh, I'm excited. I, I, You know, I'm glad I finally sat down and watched The Stupids. Um, but before we go too far we're gonna i'm gonna once again i'm gonna do my best to do a plot overview of this movie that's this is a tough one for that this is a tough one Uh,
1: some (laughs) unintentionally unreliable narrators in this movie
0: yeah So uh, this this movie, though, if you don't know, it's Tom Arnold came out in 1996. It is based on the children's books um, that I don't know much about. Joe, I think you you may you may know some. of I I,
2: I I know I read them, but I don't.
1: I, re- I know remember I read them as well. I want to say I there were at least two of them, but
2: I, th- I think if listeners look up, if you were born. You know grew up in the 80s or 90s and you look up the covers you'll probably be like you'll at least remember them from the kids section of the library i don't know if they i don't know if they have any legs i don't know if kids still there
1: this is a very gen x older millennial thing okay i I don't think they've bridged the
0: gap even to younger millennials i have not seen the stupids when buying books for my child um okay so what do we have well we have (laughs) the stupids it's a family of four Uh, Stanley and Joan Stupid, their last name's (laughs) Stupid, guys, literally, and their kids, Buster and Petunia. Um, And like I said, their last name is Stupid, and they are indeed stupid. Um, Stanley notices the Garbage Men taking the trash and is very alarmed by this, that someone is is stealing their trash. Every
1: week. Every Every week.
0: week. (laughs) So he follows the Garbage Men uh, and learns at the junkyard where simultaneously... There is a rogue military guy, Niedermeyer, who is oh. selling weapons to terrorists at the junkyard. Um, they see Stanley, and they think he's part of the CIA or something <laughs> that's investigating all this. So they they try to have him killed. There's a lot that happens there. I'm, I'm summing it up very quickly. Meanwhile, the kids go look for Stanley while Joan thinks the police have kidnapped her children. Yeah. They... Eventually, do all meet up as the family? But I think it's important that for a while, the kids thought their parents were kidnapped by a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> uh, so everyone gets back together, and we learn that uh, previously, earlier in his life, Stanley used to work for the postal service <laughs> until he, got, <laughs> Jesus joke, <chill, laughs> until he got very paranoid about a guy named Mister Sender. <laughs> who is getting too much mail. The reason he thinks this is because he keeps seeing...
2: <laughs> I can't stop. I'm sorry. He it's funny seeing... to me. It's funny
0: to me. <laughs> he keeps seeing all these letters that are marked return to sender. <laughs> so they look up Mr. Sender in the phone book, and they find a sender who works for a museum. They eventually track him down onto a, where he's on a talk show promoting an event at the museum. Stanley... Ends up on the show and sings "I Am My Own Grandpa," which the, which everyone else sings along. Um, eventually, Stanley is kidnapped, and the movie ends at an army base uh, where Stanley's being held hostage. He he escapes, and then the whole family defeats the terrorists. The end.
1: And there's aliens.
0: Yes, yeah, okay. There's, there's <laughs> there's also, they also
2: insult aliens with a, a headline or something, right? Yes,
0: there's aliens. There's also an animated cat and an animated dog that show up for a while. Um listen, this movie is called The Stupids and and it is not anything that wasn't advertised. <laughs> it is ninety minutes of nonsense, and I I absolutely understand why uh, why Dan loves this. I don't know and if that's a... Are you, do you mean that as a compliment? No, I, I do insult. actually... I, no, I...
2: I this, could, I'm just saying you could read that statement two ways.
0: You could. Here's Here's the thing. This movie goes all over the place. So here's my suggestion on what we can do. Instead of us, like, digging more into the plot, there is a lot of gags in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, is, it is constantly doing stuff. Uh, so what I thought we could do... Is we could each list off three moments that we really enjoyed and sort of explain those moments. And then I feel like by then the listener would have had nine ideas of some of the stuff that happens in this movie. And these are are like quickly, quickly fired moments off uh, and kind of, you know, help fill in some of the holes of the plot. What do you guys think? Sure. All right. All right.
1: Do it round robin style.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll start with you, Duff.
1: Uh, so. Uh- when he meets all the uh, uh, Niedermeyer, when he's uh, doing, like, a weird roll call of all the nationalities of terrorists, <laughs> yes. I thought, I thought it, He, you know, he'll say, like, uh, if it's, uh, like, a uh, like a, someone who's from Mexico, he'll speak in Spanish or something. I thought it was really funny when there's a Jamaican guy and he goes, cool runnings, my brother. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Joe, what do you have? Uh, I,
2: <laughs> I liked it when he – so when he chases the garbage truck when he's following it, yeah he catches up and he falls asleep on the back of it. And then mm-hmm. he wake, wakes up and he thinks that he lost the garbage truck because yeah. he wakes up facing away from it. And then when mm-hmm. he hears it start up and drive away, he turns around and then just – He looks up and just goes, it's always the last place you look. (laughs) None of this is going to be funny for anyone if they don't, I mean. We're we're
1: giving them a flavor of the
0: movie. Yeah, I think think it's, otherwise, there's no way to describe this.
1: In my opinion, I don't think most people have seen this who are our age.
0: This movie's disappeared. I mean, you you know, I, 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 I. I can see like three to five other people who someday will look for a stupids podcast and find this episode. Um, Cause there's nothing much else on the stupids. Well,
2: if it's John Landis, sir, do not listen to any of our other podcasts. <laughs>
0: uh, all right. So the moment I'm going to have, and I referenced earlier is uh, once the garbage man take off and Stanley realizes he's got to chase down the garbage truck, he runs into <laughs> his garage <laughs> And he sees that there's a bicycle in the garage. And he goes, oh, two wheels. (laughs) And then he looks at the car that's in the garage. He goes, oh, four wheels. (laughs) And then he looks and sees a pair of rollerblades and goes, eight wheels. And for the whole rest of the chase, Stanley is just badly (laughs) rollerblading trying to catch up to it because it's got eight wheels do you think it was supposed to be badly or
2: do you think tom arnold just can't ride on rollerblades
0: i don't know and and that's the thing is when i was researching what little i could find on this movie apparently there's a moment in making the movie where tom arnold turned to john landis and said is this supposed to be funny (laughs) and they're like oh yeah of course it's all really funny and and i actually i'm sure we'll talk about tom arnold more but like it actually works really well because because the Tom Arnold is all in on the Stanley stupid character. He, and it, when, it, when he's rollerblading, <laughs> he looks so happy.
1: <laughs> well, listen, I mean, if you're Tom Arnold and you're, uh, you know, a portly fellow uh, and mm-hmm. you have a certain set of skills,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you are you're the marquee name like this. You know, you're the star. This never happens for a character actor. Oh, I mean, like it, it, he he's overjoyed. I'm sure he got he probably got a low seven figures for this. I'm guessing he got a mill or two cuz he was a sel- bona fide at the time.
0: Listen. On August 30th, 1996, The Stupid's opened with Tom Arnold as a star, right? Yeah. yeah. One week before, a movie called Carpool opened with Tom Arnold as the star. Oh. There was a time in 1996 where within 7 days Hollywood lost their mind and were like, you know what? Tom Arnold's a star.
2: And then a year later, there's Mikhail's Navy.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, uh. <laughs> and you know what? He, I think the first time that Tom Arnold kind of got legit bona fides was True Lies. Yeah. Which, which he's really funny in. Oh,
2: he's
0: great in that. Yeah. Um,
1: and hey, way to ride that wave, man. I mean, I think he's like, I got a small window. Let's make some bank.
0: I mean, we we can't forget like he had like this up and down career, right? Uses comedian, and then he marries Roseanne, and then that he ends up being divorced from her, and like everyone hates Tom Arnold at that
1: point. And that yeah, and that as weird as it sounds, like yeah, like Tom Arnold was the bad guy because at the time Roseanne was one of the, it was a top ten show, mm-hmm. and like it's it's weird that they were like a celebrity couple at the time, like hugely yeah. hugely famous. And yeah, that was kind of that. I think that's how most people knew him first. I mean, he was a mildly successful stand-up, right? And that's how they met.
0: Yeah, it's it is weird that Tom Arnold ended up hated. You know, it's funny now in twenty twenty one looking back and be like, well, uh, Roseanne <laughs> has some issues yeah, too. Yeah, I mean,
1: Tom Arnold was the punchline. And look, that's not to say that Tom Arnold is a Hollywood power player now, but <laughs> no, I, I mean. Compared to then, tables really turned.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, uh, and and we'll get well. Listen, we'll get to Tom Arnold more. But one thing I feel like this might be this is prime Joe content here. But uh, are we going to talk about Tom Arnold and Jerry Falwell Jr. at all?
2: Yeah, we should. I mean, are we going to finish our, our parts? Yeah, of the movie? let's get yeah, back we, to that later. We, we got
1: wanna... two more. We got two more rounds to do, don't we? I okay. You said yeah, we do. Nine yeah, we do. Total.
0: Yeah. So okay. Uh, so. so... T- Let's go back I, to the thing, Duff. What do you What do you have for your second thing?
1: So you had, uh, I, you took the eight wheels thing. I had that mm-hmm. on my list. Um, <laughs> I came into this movie uh, hoping for earnest energy, and there there are times where there's earnest energy. One of which is when um, you don't really need to know why, but uh, the stupid family basically received an error warning about Drive B on the computer and t- Tom Arnold is driving and he interprets that as uh, the bee in the car as part of the conspiracy to get him
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and
1: uh, he, he's onto that bee but I, I thought the drive bee bit was funny in a dumb dad joke way yeah
0: that's, that's a good one what do you got
2: Joe uh, when he is uh, staking out the landfill he uh, sort of steps into a pulled out bush Yes. As camouflage <laughs> and he he says, now nah, I need to think like a bush. And he starts saying his his delivery of this whole monologue, I, I I was cracking up. He's like, Wow, look at all this sun. Yes, I notice things like that because I'm a bush. And then <laughs> I'm the first bush
1: with arms. Yeah,
2: he realizes he then becomes a bush, and then as a bush starts noticing his body parts, and he's like, Oh my god, I have arms
0: and legs. I'm the first bush with legs. It is it is a remarkably funny scene that, as you describe it, does not sound funny, but God is it! It is very funny. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna add uh, another one here. Uh, I'm gonna add um, when there are the, we see the the people who work at the Chinese restaurant filling uh, <laughs> filling little tiny soy sauce <laughs> packets. Out of like a giant soy sauce container, like well, we we gotta how are we gonna fill all these little packets? It, it feels so like a stupid. setup
2: from like a 1970s racist joke book. Like, yeah, it's if it, not, it isn't racist, but it feels like that was the setup for a racist joke from one of those joke books for sure. Uh,
1: it's actually kind of refreshing because the people who run the restaurant they don't have accents and they aren't made fun of. Like, it's you know, the, it's actually very straightforward. Which you know, I mean. This is, what, 13, 14 years after a Christmas story where the big joke is they say, fa-ra-ra, or whatever.
0: That's a good yeah. point. That's a good point, yeah. All right, Duff, what's your third?
1: Stanley and his daughter Petunia wind up in the planetarium. <laughs> and uh, this isn't my gag, but this is also good. Is number one, they think they're in heaven because mm-hmm. the the planetarium lights up. But I really enjoyed the bit where uh, they meet the janitor Lloyd and they think he's God. Mm-hmm. And so, but then they they're like, It's you, Lord, and he's like, No, my name's actually Lloyd and he he uh taps his name tag <laughs> and Stanley's like I've been saying it wrong all this time and then for the re- <laughs> And then for the rest of the movie he refer he refers to the Lord as Lloyd.
0: Yes. Yep, yep, that's uh, also, a great one.
1: Also fun fact, uh the guy who plays the janitor is uh Frankie Faison, who's in a mm-hmm. bunch of stuff, but uh he's uh, Barney the attendant in Silence of the Lambs.
0: Uh Joe, what do you have?
2: I, I liked uh, when the Sender conspiracy is unraveled on uh, <laughs> uh, some flip paper by Stanley Stupid. Mm-hmm. Sender is played by the great Christopher Lee. Yes. yes. So I enjoyed how uh, I enjoyed the whole sequence of Stanley Stupid's imagination uh, and how it all ends up working. Yeah.
1: Guys, Christopher Lee literally played the mailer demon. Yes. I was
0: thinking <laughs> about that too. Yeah. Yeah. Christopher Lee is in this movie for just a few minutes and it, 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 it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful as the evil Mr. Sender. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna end it on the a bit that I really enjoyed is when uh, Joan, who's played by Jessica Lundy, uh, needs to go in disguise and she sees a wig store nearby. <laughs> and the way you would think this would go is she would just put a funny wig on, which she does. But she also covers her entire body with different colored wigs, so her shoulders have like different, like brunette wigs on. She's got like a coat made out of like blonde wigs. Her children she's-
1: think she's an ape creature.
0: <laughs> I thought uh, I thought that was really good, but yeah. So like, like as we sort of said, this movie is is stupid, but there are <laughs> there are really. I mean, I think there are really funny bits in it.
2: He also tries to start his car by turning the key
0: in the glove box. <laughs> yes, until an animated dog tries to help them. So um.
1: so I will agree there are some very funny bits. Uh, what does not work for this movie is it feels very long.
2: Well, I would agree.
1: Even though it's a scant 93 minutes.
2: That is one, one thing's fault, and that is everything with Mark Metcalf is awful and not funny at all. Mm. Uh, except maybe I guess you guys said you liked the the cool runnings dude or whatever he says I guess yes. that wasn't bad but that that plot line uh really sucks like the the villain in the movie is terrible and every time he shows up on screen it it drags everything to a halt.
1: so here is, and I'm not gonna pick this apart too much I understand it I bet if I saw this when it came out uh you know I could see myself attaching to it as is it's a kid's movie I think you know I don't I don't think it makes the world a worse place or anything like I don't hate it, but it's just, it's like, yeah, this isn't very good. It has some bright spots. Um, My biggest thing is that it's hard to quantify like why some dumb guy movies work like dumb and dumber. um, Zoolander. I'm a big fan of. Mm -hmm. And I think what it is is that this is a movie called the stupids but it seems everyone is stupid. (laughs) Like, there's no real... Like, usually you get humor from the fish-out-of-water stuff, but everyone's just as dumb as them.
0: (laughs) I I think the other thing that might have happened a little bit, too, is this comes out... You know, 96 is like this weird transition time between kind of like, you know, wholesome family comedies and, like, the beginning of, like, gross-out, over-the-top comedies. It's like the, you know, dumb-and-dumber versus stupids is like a fair comparison right I mean they yeah, are similar th- in a lot of ways this is
1: now a fairly brothers world and this feels oddly out of place
0: yeah because I, I don't remember this movie ever being promoted even though it's based off a kids book I don't remember this movie ever being promoted as like a kids I didn't watch this with my son because I didn't know what it was I had no idea what to expect to be honest
1: I when it came out I, I knew I was like old enough I'm like they made a movie out of that like I was in that mentality like yeah. So I remember it coming out. And I'm like those books I read when I was a kid with my mom, and <laughs> that's that was my up until now that was the only brain space I had for this movie.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. It, it 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 you know it gets a little long in the tooth. I would agree, and I think uh, Joe's point about um, about Metcalf and the bad. The problem is the movie had an awesome bad guy that it could have gone down with 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 the. Uh, with Christopher Lee as the evil Mr. Sender, and that's kind of thrown away, and I kind of wish that all, like, there's a point where all of a sudden his giant conspiracy theory that connects all of this in his dumb head, he unwinds, and I was kind of like, it would be cool if that was actually true instead of just showing it how it would be true. And I think
1: that's why that sequence works, because it's a very funny, intentionally over-the-top sequence. It's like, Christopher Lee is basically on like the throne in hell or something, and, <laughs> taking
2: everyone's mail, throwing and, away wedding invitations. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and but like th- the reason that works is because they're in on the joke. They're explaining how dumb Stanley is for believing this, and just explaining it flat out. Like it's it's more sarcastic. But then we go back to the movie where everyone is just dumb, and everyone acts like Stanley. <laughs> Hmm. It's
2: it's it's so difficult to, to sustain 90 minutes of, of funny gags. Yes. It, and and I think that in this movie I'd say 90% of the funny ones are in the first half hour.
1: Yeah. Once so it it's hard to, to be... tell
2: it, it's hard to tell if they just front-loaded it with this, their funniest stuff or if it's the if it's it's in in the first half hour there's not it doesn't really have a plot.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of a shaggy dog
2: ambling movie. So I, I guess this is what like it, I think it would really be a, a pretty I don't I, it would, this would be extremely challenging to sustain the the comedy for this long, but if 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 there was no point to anything, like basically they were just lost the whole movie. Yeah, I, I think it would have been way funnier. That that yeah. that is one of my t- two fixes, and that this fix. You know, gets rid of, of Mark Metcalf, who I don't, I think is pretty terrible in this movie. Him and his uh, dime store Ryan Philippe partner, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, they they really drag things down. It's much funnier, like, if it just keeps going the same road where he thinks the garbage are stealing his garbage, and then going to the landfill leads him into some other, you know, after some other red herring. Instead, yeah. he stumbles into an actual conflict.
1: Yeah, by the last 15-20 minutes, um except for the gags in the planetarium, I was just so bored and ready for it to be done. Um I think this so I agree with your take. I think I'm going to go the opposite direction. I think it would work best as SNL skits or Looney Tunes length. Like yeah. if you just, you know, or like Animaniacs where it's just one episode about uh Stanley wants to know where the garbage went and it's just 7 minutes long.
0: I will say uh, one moment that did not make my list that was towards the end is in the warehouse during the fight when the mom looks down and tells the kids to be careful because there's lots of little fires around, um, you know, which is like that trope of like, that's always right. There's always like a warehouse and there's always like a big fight going on and just little fires everywhere. And it's like, guys, be careful. There's lots of little yeah. fires all around here. <laughs> So, but I, 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 you know, listen, there's a reason our episodes are around an hour and not 90 minutes, because as Joe says, it's hard to sustain something to be that interesting for that long.
1: When it asks you to be invested in the plot, which is nonsense, it, it yeah, it, that's when it really loses steam, which is right about, uh, like you said, about half an hour, maybe 45 minutes in.
0: That said, I feel like there are more gags in this movie that I'll remember than a lot of comedies I've seen in my life. Which is, like, where I struggle on this, because I think there are things in here that I legitimately found very funny oh, oh, I'll yeah. probably remember.
2: I, I laughed out loud double-digit times watching this movie, and that doesn't happen very often. It's it just yeah. the, the issue is it's it's just really front-loaded.
0: And, and I also kind of wondered, you know, we mentioned, like, uh, uh, Dumb and Dumber and kind of, like, do th- are comedies like this? Do they, you know, like, just this is like a PG, silly nonsense comedy it feels like such a thing that we grew up on in the 90s and i'm uh, do that does that still exist no because
1: uh name a pg movie made in the
0: last 15
1: years you can't do it. that's not animated no that's you can't do it like i read this article about how the pg like pg is obviously still a rating but no one wants to be burdened with it because Mm. it's the worst of both worlds because if you're pg-13 then it's not too lame for teenagers to go to that's pg-13 is the gold standard i mean r is much more bankable than it used to be yeah pg but especially into like the 90s and the 2000s pg-13 was you know that's that's your matrix movie franchise that's that's, a good point like so no one wants to make them for one if they want to do g they would either do like direct to video like like, really little kid movies that are way cheaper, or, you know, I mean, it's hard to go up against Disney.
2: Hmm. Well, would, like, a movie like Diary of a Wimpy Kid be a con- I'm assuming that that's PG, but I, I guess it might not be. Yeah, it's PG. I, I just think a lot of the, the – there are still movies like this, but they are – It seems like they're all about middle
0: school kids uh, who are awkward. (laughs) because the other one I was going to bring up that actually is pretty, like, shockingly pretty funny is Captain Underpants. That movie uh, is PG, but it's animated again. But, like, you know... But I think your point is right, Duff, that there isn't... Especially when you you bring it into live action. Yeah,
2: Yeah, there's not much live action stuff out there at all.
1: And part of it is just the way the film industry and entertainment went in general is that there's no... There's no middle ground i mean you know there's lots of types of movies you know like like they the big joke is that no one makes any it's either cost a hundred million dollars or a million dollars but you can't get anything funded that's that what it used to be kind of bread and butter like you know you think of how like in 1987 three men and a baby was the number one movie mm-hmm. and it's i'm pretty sure if not it's in the top like three but it's like that's just kind of like an ambling low to mid budget movie that's pretty like you could, it's a family movie.
3: Yeah.
2: And that was a yeah. huge
1: hit and that does huge. That does not happen anymore.
2: Yeah, the family it, it, family stuff is on is streaming or on on television or it's uh it's an it's a Disney or Pixar movie or something or Dreamworks. It's it is yeah. just all animated now. Yeah.
0: There's you no know,
1: there's no more Rob What's Your Horse movie with uh, Bobcat.
0: Oh, um, oh my God, I forgot the name of the horse movie.
1: There's, there's no more just Pete like goofy human, uh,
2: family-friendly movies. Or like um, Holes is another. Ex- th- that's
0: probably 20 years ago. But yeah, uh, the movie or the, the the hot the the uh Goldthwaite one is um Hot to Trot. Hot the horse. to Trot. That's God. it. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I think a, a part of the issue might be that all the all the money for movies and TV shows for young kids is all about like uh, young adult literature novels that are all about like kids thinking about killing themselves or like <laughs> or horny vampires or whatever and uh, th- that the, the money there isn't that much money for like the truly like kids books you know
0: yeah it's that's a good point I so- mean you know, you think of The Stupids. I was looking... Uh, so The Stupids came on 96, as we mentioned. It was the 185th highest-grossing movie that year, which, guys, Oof. is only 52 weeks in a year. It's not good. Like what, um,
1: yeah, I mean, what what was below it? Were there a lot oh, below
0: it? thank you. This is what I want to talk about. Uh, so a couple movies just above it, to give you an idea. Uh, 180, Barb Wire with Pamela Anderson. Oh, notorious <laughs> flop. Yep. Uh, number 179, I feel like... This is a movie. If you remember, it came out maybe only in the Midwest. Remember the movie Feeling Minnesota? <sighs> Vaguely.
1: Yeah, I. Here's here's how I've forgotten that movie is I live in Minnesota and I'm like <laughs> uh kind of.
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, that movie of Keanu Reeves and Cameron Diaz. That just oh like, yeah. Yes. Yep. It did nothing. And, and this is the risk. I mean, it was a $25 million budget.
2: Yeah. Now, I want to know where that money was spent. Because almost, aside from the stupids and Mark Metcalf, who is hardly a, a, a great actor himself, and I'm mm-hmm. sure, sure came cheap, everyone else in this movie, I, I think that they just went to, like, a studio lot tour and just pulled people off the van and gave them parts in this movie.
0: So do like, you have to pay for a cameo? Uh, because it's probably illegal to
1: do it that way okay uh, i don't know actually
0: because this movie is and one of the more fascinating things about this movie uh and we'll get to this later so one
1: thing i just wanted to make sure i got to say this about the look of this movie this movie looks terrible except for the stupid's home and their the costumes
0: stup- yes the, the stupid's home looks th- where the stupid's that's live. where that's where the money went looks like <laughs> there was it's none down left the- over It looks like it's down the road from where uh, Edward Scissorhands is at. Yeah, and and like Pee-wee's house is
2: uh, on the other end of the block. Yeah. So they
1: they blew through all the money on that.
2: Um, Might have been a money laundering thing of some kind.
0: I don't know
1: like I, I have some production notes I well, it's, it makes more sense to bring them up later so
0: but otherwise I mean the the big people that like I could see is like Christopher Lee I'm sure I had to get paid and then Jenny McCarthy's in there as like a cameo and I don't know you had to pay her for that this is 96
2: yeah but they probably paid her a little but not that much I doubt Christopher Lee was very expensive either like Star Christopher- Wars he, he hadn't been revived by Lord of the Rings and Star Wars yet and also
1: yeah. even when at the height of his fame not a dude who says no i mean his and i'm not i'm not ragging on him at all don't like christopher lee's awesome and one of the reasons he's awesome is just he likes working he's not he's not one of these fruit uh bourgeois method actors christopher lee's like i'm an actor it's a gig let's do it yeah shows up knows his lines (laughs) kicks ass and that's it
0: he literally looks at his calendar like yeah, i'm free
1: yeah
0: (laughs) I, i could do it um so, the other thing I think, uh, I don't know if this is, I mean, maybe, I guess, the most famous moment in the movie is that I'm my own grandpa sing-along. So,
1: this this has been a little less shocking for me because I didn't know this was a novelty song.
0: Mm-mm. I didn't either until after I saw this and looked yeah. it up.
1: So, when this happens in the movie, it is a wild tonal shift because, <laughs> as we talked about uh, up until now, this is a very family-friendly movie i mean rob you'd have no qualms showing this to sam no. even with that bit would you no um but you know there's no i don't think there's any curse words maybe one or two um no one is mean to anyone all the violence is very like looney tunesy so it's not scary or anything mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there's this parody of 90s talk shows which actually has some funny jokes mm-hmm. and they're just they go around Talking to people, and one guy's like, Oh, I slept with my cousin, which actually is kind of a weird joke for this movie, but whatever. Um, And they get to Tom Arnold, and he says, I'm my own grandpa. (laughs) And he gets up and sings this song that, I mean, it's all like kind of a big incest joke song, but I did not realize, I thought they wrote this for the movie.
0: Yeah, I did too. Joe, did you, were you aware this song exists already? And is, no. Okay. So, it exists and it exists big time like um it was a huge uh, hit
1: in the 40s i guess so it's it
0: was a huge hit in the 40s um it uh the most famous cover version is probably by Ray Stevens which The Streak quick aside my dad had a Ray Stevens VHS tape that had a bunch of songs on it and i watched it a lot when i was younger and uh laughed a lot during the Ray Stevens songs that are on there
1: Ray Stevens is also uh he belongs to a type of media not made anymore, which is the comedy album. Uh, And yeah, that dude, uh, he took that to the bank many times, often to the racist bank after nine 11.
0: Well, Um, what's weird is he, you know, like, um, it was a Ray Stevens comedy video classics that my dad had on VHS, which essentially just had like music videos that he had, that he did.
1: Yeah. He was kind of like the weird Al of the seventies in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, so you had like the streak surfing USSR uh, guys.
1: Uh,
0: <sighs> That's
1: not as I mean. After 9-11, he wrote a song called "Ahab
0: the Arab." Oh boy, I did not know. I did not know the post nine eleven Ray Stevens. That's I mean, it really
1: it makes perfect sense when you think about it.
0: Yeah, so he has he he did a version of the song. Willie Nelson did a version of the song, and hmm. I think to maybe counteract. Uh, your point, Duff. About is the song wrong to have on there? It was on the Muppet Show.
1: Maybe it's more family friendly, and I realize.
0: Yeah, so there you go. I, I, weird, but yeah, it is like a full-on sing-along. Do the words show up in the movie? No, no. Okay, it could though. They could have shown the, the lyrics of the bouncing ball, and it would have yeah. fit in perfectly. Um. So, uh, and then, um, you know, I don't know, guys. You guys want to talk about Tom Arnold?
1: We kind of did to an extent, but does anyone have anything else on him?
0: I mean, I think the thing that he's come up in the news again recently is fascinating. In the last couple of years,
1: oh, that he he had secret tapes of uh, our former president.
2: <laughs> that was like the best way to get goodwill and be famous is to just go on Twitter and make stuff up about <laughs> Donald Trump and just say yeah. like oh, I, I know this thing. You don't actually have to produce any proof, but like people just eat it up. Because they and, wanted to believe it was true so badly.
1: And he doubled down on it, too, because he didn't even have to say, as you just noted, he didn't have to say he had a tape. He could have just said, oh, I saw so much stuff. And that would have had the same
0: effect. But Wait, did he not have a tape? Well, have you seen it? <laughs> well, no, I have not heard the tape. Well, but yeah, Tom, allegedly... Tom Arnold, this was like early
1: in the Trump presidency, too. Yeah. I want to say it was like 2017. Um, because, you know, it was one of the... 800 million. Oh, they've got him now. Oh no. Yeah, we'll yeah. yeah. see him regular got his him. way out of this one. Uh, but yeah, Tom Arnold came out. And he's like, and then I think he pulled an OJ in that he's like, I have to find out where the tapes are. Oh. Like his story changed. Yeah. <laughs> like got it, where he saved it. It was at at first it was, "Oh yeah, I have the tapes." And it's like, "Well, I don't know where they are, but I'm I'm going to make it my mission to find them." <laughs> I mean, yeah, it got so people ta-
2: talking about Tom Arnold again and like I said, it, you don't have to produce it. Just people want it to be true. Yep. I'm sure there I'm sure millions of people still believe it to be true.
1: As the X-Files say, I want to believe that Tom Arnold has these secret tapes <laughs> because that's the history we deserve at this point. It the- is.
0: So the story is that he has a, that Tom Arnold has a, a recorded phone call of Michael Cohen uh where Cohen talked about his involvement in a cover-up with the, the scandal that existed between Jerry Falwell Jr., his wife, and the pool boy, and their whole relationship.
1: Oh, guys, does, <laughs> doesn't that feel like that was 100 years ago?
0: Yeah. It. D- d- listen, guys, what I just said is like a Mad Libs entry from, like, 1997. Right, <laughs> when people yeah. just, like, name a celebrity, Tom Arnold! Name another one, Donald Trump! <laughs> Name a religious figure.
1: Yeah. Name a food. Name a food or beverage. Diet Coke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it like creates the story that years. All, who knew those mad libs we did when we were kids ended up being news stories ten years later. Yeah, just comedy sports. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It is and it is the uh, the middle act of Tom Arnold is really interesting because after his, you know, we we mentioned his oeuvre in the mid '90s there. And then he bottomed out hard. And then he came back with the best damn sports show and got really huge again in the early aughts, I want to say. Yeah, oh, true. I forgot about that. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. And he stuck around, man. That guy is... Um, Listen, when you look at some of the people who were famous in, like, 1989 or 90, and, you know, you're just like, what? Who? <laughs> I mean, there's... Yeah. It's not a lot of people when you think about it.
0: Yeah. No, it's a good point.
2: So I... I I mentioned earlier I have a I had a two part plan to make this like a really great movie and one of it okay. is to, to get rid of Mark Metcalf who sucks.
0: Okay, so we're getting um, rid of him. Are we writing like, one, that one thing? I'm or ready or to be him. I'm ready
2: to be done with Animal House and Animal mm-hmm. House house nostalgia, and basically anyone involved except for Belushi. Well, he's done with it too. Yeah, yeah well, he's, <laughs> he's he's done he's, with
1: lots of stuff.
2: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> But, and so I was just sitting this uh, watching this movie, and, and I mostly like found it to be a nice, pleasant surprise. But I was just fuming at Mark Metcalf. It's like, th- I hate this guy. And mm-hmm. it's not funny. He's never been funny. And he just gets this one role in this comedy, which has got to be one of the most overrated comedies of all time. Mm-hmm. Just this boomer, like, uh, boomer mecca where, like, Jim Belushi smashes a guitar and that's enough for people to just love it forever. So, uh, J- uh, John Belushi, John Belushi, whatever. Jim, Jim Belushi is his, his, uh, Belushi his redemption, his, his redemption arc has, uh, as is on my mind right now. So, um, anyways, and the, uh, so get rid
0: of him. But then I remembered he was the maestro in Seinfeld and that was kind of funny, but so for listeners, uh, the Niedermeyer character that Metcalf plays in The Stupids is more or less the grown-up version of his character in Animal House. Same well, that's way. all he can do. Yeah.
1: And yeah. it's interesting because that bit is really a foretelling of where kids' comedy goes and that now everyone thinks it's necessary to have these super dumb jokes so their idiot mouth-breathing parents can be like, huh, I remember Animal House.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Like no. that mouth breathing parents. Like that's
1: where, you know, that's where like Shrek and things like that really kicked into gear and you get like, oh, there's a sex joke for the adults and then there's a watered down joke for the kids like no, just kids movies can be good without being stupid and gimmicky. Like and be enjoyable for adults. You don't need to do that. It kind of goes along with the whole casting uh, big names as cartoon characters. Joe talked about this a lot, um, and how it'd yeah. be like now. David Schwimmer's a zebra. There you go, parents.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's true. So, what's your second change, Joe? So, I, 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 it's a good coming off of the Tom Arnold talk is a good time for this. I think he, I think he does a,
2: a good job in this movie. I, I think he's, pr- pr- he's good. He's got a sweetness to him mm-hmm. that is absolutely rec- like you have to be able to exude like kindness and sweetness for all of these characters to work. And and the only I other agree. compliment I, I had for this movie that I hadn't had a chance, and this is just an aside, I appreciate how it gives all four family members pretty equal screen time and opportunities to be funny. Like, I think most movies centered around like a family like this, like the the dad would get all like the funniest parts and then everyone else just kind of plays off of him, but yeah. they all get their own time on screen to kind of pursue their own storylines including the mom, which yep. especially would be a role that normally would never get to be funny at all. But that's a quick aside. Okay. I, as good as Tom Arnold is in this movie, and it feels weird to say that sentence, <laughs> but I, I, think, I think he performs the role as it's meant to be performed, and I think there are very few people who could have done it better. But I think we look. this movie is a stone-cold classic if you replace him with one person and okay. that is Chris Farley.
1: Uh, I guessed it, yep.
2: Oh, yeah. If Chris Farley is, is like takes this role instead, and I think he died a year or two
0: later, um, so,
2: but it would have only been, I think it would have been this was the same year as Black
0: Sheep, maybe, or maybe a year yeah, after. Yeah, it was the same year as Black Sheep. That's correct.
2: So I think Chris Farley, the stuff that's already funny, like maybe it came from, I'm assuming it came from the page, would have continued to be funny, and then I'm sure he would have just done some stuff, you know improvised added even more funny bits and then some of the stuff that doesn't work would have just been funny because chris farley is just funny just automatically
0: also like so much a part of a comedy like this um is having other people have seen it and being able to quote and reference it in like conversations with your friends. This is why like Dumb and Dumber Still Lives On and Tommy Boy and stuff like that, because there's people like us who grew up watching those and we still around our peers will quote them. Good luck with a stupid's quote in front of other people. Like you can't you can't just take your shoe and hit something and say that's a well made shoe and expect anyone to like react to it. Yeah, you're gonna so-
1: <laughs> you're gonna have a tumbleweed go by if you pull out a stupid's <laughs> reference at your next staff meeting.
0: But if Christopher Farley was in this movie, that alone would have gotten way more eyes on this movie and probably let it, like you know, live a little more.
1: Yeah, and so this this kind of I think is a good bridge. Unless you had more to say about that, Joe.
2: No, I, I, do. You guys, I mean, do you th- do you think well, it would I, have been I, a success? I, uh, I yeah. think Chris, Far- Chris Farley's movies after Black Sheep didn't really do very well, so I, it's not like him being in it automatically makes it good. But I think that there's this movie itself. On the page has probably more naturally funny stuff than, you know, Beverly Hills Ninja or whatever. So I
0: think he would have had more to work with here. Yeah. I, so, I listen, I even remember I enjoyed Almost Heroes and watched that multiple times. He's the
1: one with Matthew Perry.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: uh, so an intro, and maybe this makes it sadder because it maybe becomes an even better could have been. Um, this movie sat on a shelf for two years. So this was... Oh, you know, really? If you had produced this with Farley, it would have been like peak Farley. Yeah,
2: 1994 probably then. Pro-
1: yeah, probably like in production, 93, 94. So...
0: Wow. So they filmed... I had no idea.
1: So the only reason I found out about this is uh, because I, I I went down the rabbit hole of uh, bumping... I guess I'll bump him up to a nemesis of mine. That <laughs> is... Uh, <laughs> is uh our old friend uh director and occasional murderer John Landis.
0: <laughs> I mean <laughs> at I this point say, it,
2: I I will say almost admire how in the 90s he's just like oh, I'm I'm not going to try anymore.
1: Yeah. So now it's 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 weird that he's my nemesis though because uh he's made some things I downright love.
0: <laughs> and and to be fair for my money he's the best director who's ever murdered people (laughs) well i mean he's made the best Mm. movies of anyone else who murdered people that i know or Uh, seen
1: yeah so what a a distinction (laughs) uh so but yeah so john landis who i mean i don't like animal house um i recognize it was a big deal and like the birth of kind of the r-rated comedy Mm -hmm. um it does not age. Well, (laughs) it's very rapey, uh, kind of racist. Um, but it it is very of its time. It's very boomery for better, for worse. Um, but I mean, John Landis, it's weird now to think of what a huge power he was. He did, well, he did Kentucky fried movie and got Indy cred. And then he does, he does animal house blues brothers, uh, trading places.
0: And American Werewolf in London. American
1: too. Wolf Werewolf in in London. The music video thriller. Mm-hmm. He,
0: you know, I would say coming to America too. I mean, we have a yeah. sequel that that is was put. Po- that, but... that was
1: that was post murdering, but yeah, um... yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, I didn't know there was a pre. And no, post-murder. but
1: it's as Joe said, wild how far that dude fell because yeah. well
2: whatever, it's it's so difficult to keep a career going at any in any role in Hollywood like so I don't know how much of it is just like it's just it's so difficult to just make one good movie you know so
1: here's uh, the thing and I mentioned this before is I, this movie is just he isn't trying this movie is framed and looks terrible
2: oh it's awful how and, did it cost 25 million dollars
1: and I know he can do better because I've seen it many many times It's really, and also I read a lot of John Landis interviews today and he's (laughs) like, Oh no, he's just an unlikable dude. He sucks, man. Like even without the murdering, like he's so smug and he pretends like no one gets what he's, he's constantly bemoaning everyone because they don't recognize what a great director he is and blah, blah, blah. And all the studio heads are stupid and everyone's stupid, but him. And, but then it's like, look at the movies he's made in the '90s. It's like, shut up, man! Like, you made Beverly Hills Cop 3 and uh, Blues Brothers 2000.
0: Uh, I were you guys? Did you guys hold your breath a little bit towards the end of the Stupids when uh, the kid Buster is on a zip line? Through the warehouse and yeah. I was like, Oh no, hold yeah, on, dude, little buddy. It, it,
2: it, if I had John Landis's baggage, I, I would have been like he probably let the second unit so, director do that. You know what?
1: I didn't even think about that. What if like what if <laughs> or, you're those... or the mom's holding a
2: flamethrower?
1: <laughs> and like what now I'm thinking about, it, like, imagine it's your kid, and it's like, oh my kid's gonna be in this in a big time studio movie, and then it's like, all right, John Landis, what's he famous for? And you read about <sighs> Guys, can I I give a quick recap of The the Twilight in case there's, like, anyone who didn't listen to that episode? Sure. Um, So, John Landis, um, alongside from making some of the biggest comedies uh, ever, um, is famous for uh, manslaughter on the set of The Twilight Zone movie. (laughs) Um, And the long and short of it is he was doing uh, a war scene. Um, and it was set in Vietnam. So they were filming, just just describing it uh, should raise a lot of red flags. It was filmed at 2 in the morning with two un- uh, t- underage 10 children. Um, it involved mm-hmm. explosions and a real helicopter crashing. Just that setup. Like, even with the safest person in the world, that should raise some flags. Yeah. Sure. Um, these kids were paid off the books They were paid their parents were paid with uh, envelopes of cash because, you know, you're not supposed to have child actors out after like sundown (laughs) and it's two in the morning. Um, These kids barely spoke English, as I recall, or maybe it was the mom barely spoke English. Um, And John Landis just kind of threw all safety precautions to the wind and ended up killing these children and veteran actor Vic Morrow. Um, and then afterward, abdicated all responsibility and threw his crew under the bus. It was a huge trial in the 80s and he was ultimately acquitted and just has no remorse about it. Does, doesn't seem to bug him a lot.
0: That's the thing that's the most frustrating part, right? Like to not feel bad. Even if you, you know what I mean? Like You can,
2: you can feel bad about things that aren't your fault. It's yeah. allowed.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and And also in that, he talks, he's always talking about how it's, oh, it's the director, the director. Everything's about the director because he's an egomaniac. His defense in the trial is, oh, I can't be responsible for those people. I'm supposedly, I'm trusting these people are the experts in their field. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, like when there's praise to be given, the buck goes all the way to him. But it's like, "Oh, oh, I don't know about that. There's not me. When your be illegal
2: child labor slaves are killed in a fiery helicopter crash. Then it's everybody else's fault.
1: Yeah. Then all of a sudden it's like, hey, I didn't know. I'm just the guy whose name is most important on on the poster.
2: Well, but the good news is, as we I'm sure mentioned that other episode, his son is an even worse sociopath than he is. So. <laughs> Who's
0: in this movie? Yeah. Yep.
2: As the kid of the the graffiti artist is is Max Landis. Yep. Uh, he's probably um, graffiti uh, tagging the. Uh, a threat on the garage door of a girl who's threatening to tell on him for touching her inappropriately or something
1: <laughs> he's uh kids back in the day if you want to dock someone you need spray paint and that's what he's doing here
0: oh man um yeah so john landis i'm with you can i tell you can i can i can i, can I say one thing that is super weird about this movie mm-hmm. you may okay so we'd mentioned the cameos, right? We mentioned Jenny McCarthy is and you know Ian Christopher Lee is in a role, but like there's still like these character actors or people that show up. There is in I don't understand. Okay, so here are some people who I have cameos in the movie, uh The StuPids. Norman Jewison, who did director of In the, <laughs> in the, heat, the, heat, of the heat of the Night, night. Yeah. Uh, in Fiddler on the Roof, Fiddler, I was in gonna Moonstruck. Say, Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> he's he's in the movie. Um as the TV director, uh, Robert Wise is the neighbor who directed The West Side Story and Sound of Music and The Haunting. Yeah, he,
1: yeah. Robert Wise is maybe the most underrated director, just when yeah. you look at the body of his work. No, yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: That's, uh, that's a really
2: interesting point.
0: Um, yeah. um, um, David a, Cronenberg. David Cronenberg, <laughs> who, I mean, if you know David Cronenberg, you know how weird that is. But, yeah, I mean, The Brood, uh, Videodrome, The Fly, Dead Raiders. Scanners, yeah. Uh, you have, then it gets even stranger, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name, but Ponte uh, 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 Pontecorvo, who is the guy who directed the Battle of Algiers. <laughs> <laughs> like, all of a sudden, I'm like, what is going on? How are all these people in it? It goes on. Um, uh, 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 Costa Gavras, who I don't know much about him, but he's a Greek-French film director who... Uh, uh, won the Palme Dior for missing in 1982. Yeah, he made, uh, he made Z too, right. Yes, he did. Yeah, uh, and then um Grinder Chadha is in it, and and she is a British film director, and she probably her most famous movie is Bend It Like Beckham, and more recently she did Blinded by the Light. She also has a cameo in this movie. So and Adam McGoyan. Yes, Adam McGoyan too. Uh,
1: and not a director, but Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> oh my god
0: <laughs> captain kangaroo is in this movie i had that on my note and i forgot to mention it out yeah captain kangaroo is in it so as much yeah. as i agree the, you, but like,
2: the, here but here's the thing that ties right into what duff is just saying he he puts these people in this movie to, to say sea world other great directors respect what i do why don't oh, you yeah oh, this it's a okay.
1: total yeah it's a total I mean, it's name-dropping in the most expensive see way. See who
2: I'm friends with? See, And if I'm friends with them, they must respect my work.
1: Yeah. The average person, you know, at this point can probably recognize maybe four or five directors. This ain't them. <laughs> he picks yeah. the most, like, a weird, obscure group of people that only film nerds will care about.
2: And that's exactly who he's trying to appeal to. It's yeah. just, like, oh my God, look, I, I got David Cronenberg to be in this. First of all, see how funny that is? And second, yeah. if see uh, a director who works in pretty much the exact opposite kind of movies that I do, th- obviously must think I'm great. Oh, I'm mad now, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is weird. It's actually in a kid's movie, right? Yeah. I mean. But I
2: don't even want to say that it's weird because he wants you to say, wow, that's weird that he did that. It's,
0: no, it's boring. Weird if you, now, if, we're it's, all
2: three of us now are saying it's boring and it's stupid.
1: It's weird <laughs> if you don't know about John Landa, Landa's megalomania like if you just like saw this like why would he do that that makes no sense
0: <laughs> is there anything else you guys want to talk about with the stupids with with John Landis
2: i i also love he's super bitter about this movie too and he's super he, defensive he... about it
1: oh god the the interview i read uh it's a collider interview um the interview even like throws him a bone and they think i think one of your most underappreciated movies is into the night and landis says i actually think it's the stupids (laughs) (laughs) and he says yeah i was really pleased with it it's a children's film like he said and this is he made for a company called savoy went bankrupt and then it sat on a shelf for two years um there's also an anecdote. He's like, you know what? I showed it to Captain Kangaroo, and he thought it was great. Captain Kangaroo was never in any other movies. So that's how awesome it is. Oh my oh god! Come
2: on. I, I, I <laughs> desperately want to fight John Landis. I hate him so much. He is just the like uh, the worst, like the, just the quintessential uh, boomer. Yeah, you know, I
1: think of someone like Christopher Lee, and I think Christopher Lee and everything I've read. He realized how lucky he was to get paid insane amounts of money just to do something fun.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and you know, he would just show up, do his work, do it well, got along with it. Have you ever heard anyone say anything bad about Christopher Lee about no. working with him?
2: I mean, I remember no. when he passed away; like, people who worked with him were like in tears about how special yeah. he was to them. Yeah. Yep,
1: he just a by all accounts just a stand up dude. And you know who
2: literally rocked. Who, yeah, yeah. yeah who, that's true too. and
1: someone who could have been really bitter because look, Christopher Lee made a lot of dumb movies. Yeah, he made some great ones, but he made a lot of monster movies. And but he didn't care. He's like, whatever. I get paid a bunch of money to dress up in funny hats and act. Mm-hmm. And John, my
2: job tonight is to pretend to be a vampire. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like look, a bunch of sound and or a bunch of production guys made this cool, like devil throne that I get to sit on and I get, (laughs) and be in a movie with Tom Arnold and I get paid a bunch of money. And John Landis is the polar opposite of that. Just never going to like, just a deeply unhappy person.
0: Well guys, I think too long. Didn't read the stupids has some fun moments and some good bits. John Landis sucks. And (laughs) And and thank you, Dan, for uh, uh, you know uh, paying for us to watch and talk about. The oh students. yeah, man! Yeah. I, I'm, like I,
2: if I, you could you could make like a fifteen minute reel of gags from this that would really,
0: that'd slay. Oh man! Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree one hundred percent. And uh, hey, you know if you're like, listen, this sounds cool, um, I want to do it. You can go to patreon.com/slash/theMidnightBoys and become a patron. Uh, also, if you uh, represent uh, the Landis or the Landis family, you can contact Duff um, <laughs> at the Six and- Finger.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, guys, I- I'll fix it. Uh, all this is
0: alleged.
2: Yeah, uh, allegedly.
0: Thank you. Uh, <laughs> allegedly, three people died on the set of Twilight <laughs> Zone movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, we are going to uh, take a little break. Duff's got uh, another uh, new season uh, that he's crafting for us. Boy, if you like, uh, hopefully you
1: enjoyed Tales of Tragedy on a film set.
0: <laughs> yes, because that was going to be our entire next season. No John Landis. Landis is out. No more Landis I mean, content from this I, I could do a whole other episode on it, but I think we've definitely talked about it too much. You're right. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Dan and uh, listeners, if you always want to see more of our episodes, you can go to freepodcast.com. We've got a whole bunch of movies and seasons for you to dig into.